This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. Any of these jobs, whether it's a historical preservation work or just a normal run-of-the-mill building, if you can combine doing the energy efficiency work at the same time you're doing other things you need to do structurally, just general maintenance of the building, if you can combine them at the same time, there's often more bang for your buck. Hi, I'm Anita Walker at the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is John Meyercheck. He is the president of the Center for Ecotechnology, and welcome to our program. Thanks for having me. I'll never forget the first time I walked into the center, and I thought, I am in one of the greatest home repair (laughs) renovation stores on the planet. For people who are not familiar with the center, tell us about it. Sure. So we help people and businesses save energy and reduce waste. We've been doing it for over 40 years, and you came to our eco-building bargain store, which is the largest used building store in New England. And I think you were there the day that Kevin O'Connor from This Old House was there, so that was even... Uh, more fun. But that operation helps uh, recover used cabinet sets and other things, doors, windows. It's like a mini Home Depot. And then anyone can come shop there. It keeps the stuff out of the landfill and it saves a whole bunch of money for all the shoppers. And we also do energy audits in people's homes and businesses and help people go solar and uh, help set up food waste composting programs. So we've done a lot of work with businesses and nonprofits to help them green their operations. You know, there's a lot of really good and powerful reasons to go green. I was listening to, actually, public radio on the way here, and we're talking about 15 years, um, between now and 15 years, that we're going to have some uh, coastal cities really feeling like they're underwater with rising seas. So there's a lot of good uh, imperatives around um, um, going green. But saving money often gets people's attention. Is it real money? Yeah, it's real money. Well, the building that you were in in Springfield, that's a 100-year-old warehouse, which had, when we bought it, had no insulation, uh, a huge old boiler, uh, oil boiler, and the guy who owned the building before us, it had four oil tanks in the basement, huge oil tanks. And he, had, he said he bought the building, he filled up the four tanks, he turned on the heat, he ran out of oil in three days, and he never turned the heat on again. It was a furniture warehouse, and they worked in the cold all year round because it was just too expensive to heat. After we were done with everything we did to it, the gas company came out the next winter to check the meters because they thought the meters must not be working right because we were using such a little amount of energy. So what did you do? How did you do that? Well, we did a huge amount of insulation all around the building and then uh, put in very high-efficient heating systems and then put solar panels on the roof. So we, we did a lot. Like, you don't have to start doing, we did a complete retrofit. You can do it in steps, too. But the way we did it, it now uses 88% less energy than a building would normally use for that size. So you can imagine we're saving, you know, many, many tens of thousands of dollars a year on our electric and heat bill. And that adds up. How long does it usually take to recoup the cost of greening your building? Yeah, that's, the a, savings. that's a good question. It depends. There's some low-hanging uh, fruit where there's a utility program that has an incentive for you or something like that to do something. That could be just a couple of years. Uh, the project we did, it is, it's a longer payback, but we also got lots of grant funds and had a capital campaign which helped support that work. And so, um, you know, if you're an arts organization, we're obviously an environmental organization that does education and things like that, but if you're an arts organization 
and your constituents, there's a subset of them that really care about the environment too, and they can fund part of your renovation, well then the payback becomes less of an issue. If they know it's going to help you on an operating basis every year, be able to, you know, afford to stay in business and do your main mission. I think of a lot of our <coughs> cultural organizations that uh, we partner with here in the Commonwealth, and it seems to me that one feature of a uh, almost by definition energy inefficient building is large open spaces with high ceilings. So I'm yes. thinking theaters, I'm thinking museums. I mean, these have got to be um, one of the most challenging types of physical plant to uh, take care of it in an efficient way with the use of energy. Yeah, it's very true. And our warehouse, as you know, is the same way. We have 20-foot high ceilings. And so there's technologies, uh, without getting too technical, called radiant heating, where uh, it's basically like a big toaster up in the ceiling. And it could be powered by gas or by electricity or by other things. Um, and it heats uh, the occupants in the room as opposed to heating the air. So if you have a traditional heater that's trying to heat the air, that's a lot of air to keep warm. And also, all the hot air rises, and so you have a very, you know, if you're in the balcony, awesome, it's 150 degrees, you know, but if you're down below, it's a lot colder. Radiant heat does a better job of heating the occupants. And there's also very large fans, and actually they have funny names that I can't say on the radio, but it's big something fans, and they're just these huge fans that turn very, very slowly, and they push the heat back down to where the people are. So there's lots of technologies you can use, and, you know, depending on where you are, your utility company should have a program for you that you can go through to get advice on this as well as some incentives to put them in. What about historic properties? There's another category of organization mm. that we work with that is very, very careful about maintaining the historic fabric and the original design of mm -hmm. um, whether it's a historic house or historic building. And um, they're very, very worried about introducing um, energy solutions that might um, uh, you know, detract from the original way the building was built. Yeah, well, that's very true. I mean, our building, uh, people used to, our, our Springfield building, people used to joke that even an uh, engineer could make it look good because it was sort of a mismatch of a whole bunch of different old uh, non-historic and non-preservation-worthy uh, attributes. But So we just were able to cover it up and do some things that made it super easy. But for historic buildings, it is a lot more challenging, and you sometimes have to do things only on the inside of the building in order to preserve the character. But there are ways to do it, and there's certainly some, um, there's some models out there where very attractive, uh, historically accurate things can be done to buildings to still improve. You're, lim you're somewhat limited, your hands are tied, but there are things you can do. And uh, any of these jobs, whether it's a historical uh, preservation work or just a normal run-of-the-mill building, if you can combine doing the energy efficiency work at the same time you're doing other things you need to do structurally or repointing or there's, you know, just general maintenance of the building, if you can combine them at the same time, there's often more bang for your buck if you plan it correctly than trying to go in after and do it all over again. You know, it's interesting, uh, speaking of historic buildings, um, some of them actually offer um, good ideas for modern buildings. Some of the old uh, um, 17th century buildings with the smaller windows and the thicker walls and the orientation of the windows um, was really a strategy before there was gas heat and air conditioning, air conditioning yes. uh, to keep the climate up to, 
you know, comfortable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also there's a lot of daylighting, like in some of the old mill spaces that you might find uh, that uh, uh, different groups will go into. There's really beautiful daylighting from uh, the ceiling and also from the windows that were put in, uh, in, in, you know, because there wasn't a lot of electric light available. So there are, there are things that you can take advantage of um, when you... Uh, when you do the energy efficiency. But there's also, you know, depending on what's in the building, there may be very strict requirements around humidity and other things that you have to control. And so those systems for ventilation are gonna just, they're gonna cost some money that you need to do for other reasons just besides the energy efficiency. You know, we talked a little about um, um, energy efficiency equipment, you mm. know, the five-star rating and the discounts you can get. Mm. I'm thinking about one of our cultural organizations that um, uh, moved into a beautiful high-ceiling former bank building mm-hmm. and then discovered that, you know, $40,000 a month utility bills was way more that they can um, yeah. cope with. And so part of their uh, way of addressing it was not just the energy-efficient equipment, but when it's on because in a lot of our cultural organizations there are certainly periods of time when people aren't there yeah well that's true and there's a lot of controls that are available now that can really help your building be a lot smarter and you can even control things remotely and these energy management systems as they're called um, they're not inexpensive necessarily but the cost of the technology is coming down and for for any building that has like a venue or something like that that has very uh, different uses depending on what's going on or not going on that would be really valuable to invest in. And there's companies that are specializing in those kind of technologies that could help them. So if some of our nonprofits are listening right now, some of our cultural nerds out there, yeah. um, and they wanted to just sort of start a little checklist, um, what do you recommend? Where, how do they get started to think about greening their building? Yeah, so the first, I would always start with energy efficiency because that um, is almost always the quickest payback. and. Uh, then anything you do on top of that uh, will will be easier. So before you go out and buy a new high-efficiency heating system or put solar panels on your roof, see if there's insulation you can do. And uh, going to MassSave.com or calling up the MassSave program is a good place to start there. Once you've done that, then I think looking at uh, new heating systems or other technologies is good, as well as solar. Solar is... Uh, a very good deal. Uh, you can you can get a lot of your electricity if you have a roof that's in good shape, or you have a parking lot. You know you have to have some space to put the panels, but assuming you have them, uh, it's a great deal. And the panels on our roof, um, because we're a nonprofit, also there's some tax incentives that you can't take advantage of as a nonprofit that you can as a for-profit. But there's lots of solar companies that will own the panels for you you lease your roof to them and you essentially buy the electricity back and sort of a not super complicated uh, financial arrangement but it's very common in the solar world and it helps nonprofits be able to take care of uh, take advantage of solar and there's even an organization um, called power options it's a nonprofit organization in massachusetts that is set up to help nonprofits figure out how to go solar and also uh, to buy energy collectively so they can save on their energy bills and their website's poweroptions.org Um, which would be another good place to go. Uh, And then after you get all the energy stuff done, um, and or before, the other thing you work on is recycling. So there's a program that we run called Recycling Works in Massachusetts. It's a statewide program, and we can help any business or nonprofit figure out what it can recycle and where the markets are, and also recycling at events, which is uh, getting more popular and 
sets a nice example. If you have a whole bunch of your constituents coming to an event and you do a, a recycling or food waste reduction kind of a thing and have lots of signs and educate people about it, it's actually a fairly popular thing. And I think even um, for the average arts organization, other, you know, their people would care about the fact that they were doing that. And we can help people learn how to do that. You know, actually sort of wearing energy efficiency and the greening of your organization as a badge is not a bad thing, um, as you mentioned, as a fundraising. Yeah. I remember I was in Provincetown Art Association Museum in their restroom, mm -hmm. and they have a sign that says, after you wash your hands, if you shake them nine times in the sink, you will only need to use one paper towel. I thought, that's impressive. Yeah. And people, and people I think, in general, like... They all want, most people want to do something for the environment, but it's kind of tricky to know what to do. And if signage or education that happens at these facilities explains to people how, what it is that the facility is doing and how people can participate, I think that does, it makes people feel good about themselves and their experience at the facility. And it just gives them one more reason to want to come back and to love being there. So that's a great, that's a great story. Well, thank you. Uh, great tips, good advice, and uh, one more reason to support our nonprofits. John Meyercheck, president of the Center for Eco Technology, another one of our creative minds out loud. Thanks so much for having me. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.